Welcome back to How Are You Podcast, a mental health podcast where I sit down with people of my choosing and uh, talk about their mental health and their relationships with their mental health. Uh, This episode we have a couple of very special guests, and I will say very special in uh, not only bold but italic font, because uh, they are very special. Uh, Both of them I've been working with very closely on a fringe play coming up called My Good Buddy Depression. I've brought my co-star and our director uh, on the podcast today, a little three-person episode. I wasn't going to say that. Um, (laughs) But please welcome uh, both Katie Abramovic and Sarah Bergbush. Hello. 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 Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having us, Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, Katie and I both traveled to Saskatoon solely to record this episode with Sarah, a guru of mental health. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. No one knows more than I about mental health. Um, How we start this podcast is I ask the age-old question, how are you guys? Sarah, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. It seems like someone's deflecting. It's because I'm applying sunscreen. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Um... I'll go first. Go for it. I am going to be honest. I am exhausted. Really, really tired. I've been working a lot uh, the last few weeks, and I feel very burnt out emotionally and physically. Uh, to the uh, listeners uh, at home or at work or on the road, um, what, where are you working? Uh, right now, I am working with Shakespeare on the Saskatchewan uh, in their two shows that are happening this year. Uh, I worked with them last year as well. And yeah. And really quick, the process right now, the thing that's causing you so much exhaustion and a turmoil is... We're just working long hours right now to get ready for the shows. We had an opening night last night, which was awesome. It was really fun and a great show. Um, but yeah, just leading up, we've been working a lot of 12-hour days, so I'm tired. And on top of that, Sarah's also helping... Another reason why we're up in Saskatoon is workshopping our play for the Regina Fringe. So not only is Sarah going, and I'm, I don't want to be talking for you, but I will right now. Sarah's not only putting in huge efforts with uh, Shakespeare on the Sask, mm-hmm. but also putting in a huge effort with helping the show get up and running. Um, so she's truly pulling double dutes. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah. Pulling double dutes. And Kitty Bromovic, uh-huh. might I ask you the same question? Yes, of course, Cameron. Um, just like Sarah, I'll be very honest. Can I say really quick that your skin looks rather protected? Yes. Oh, <laughs> your skin looks good. It's Thank glowing. you so much for the listeners. Um, I had a bit of a tiff with my skin earlier this year, but it's really clearing up. Back to how I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so, I just went on a very long vacation, which was amazing. Um, but coming back, I'm feeling a little anxious and a little stressed because in the summers I work full-time at the Globe Theatre, which I love doing. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, but it can be really, um, taxing to do that and get ready for Fringe. So this last week I've been feeling a little, um, yeah, just a bit stressed and overwhelmed, but... Also very excited because Fringe is coming up. Yeah. And uh, this is the point where you guys will now ask me in unison the question that I asked you guys. One, two, three. How, How are, are you, you doing, Camp? <laughs> well, we should practice that a little bit more. Um, I am also, uh, I have spent the year teaching and this is the first summer uh, that I don't, I'm, I've chosen not to work. Freedom, baby. Freedom, baby. The Ameri- I'm living the American dream in Regina, Saskatchewan, you know. Um, uh, and it's been great so far because I haven't done anything <laughs> other than focusing on Fringe. And I have to say that uh, very nervous, nervous little boy for the show. Um, I think we're getting to a place where uh, I'm starting to get less nervous, but mm-hmm. it's more about... Just being so vulnerable on stage is terrifying. Well, I think that when we are the most vulnerable, we are also the most rewarded. So you got some big potential. Uh, treats come my way. Big reward, maybe. Yeah. And also, you're doing great. You're both doing great. Thanks, hey, Sarah. You're doing great too. I would also state that both of you are also doing great. Oh wow! Oh, <laughs> I know wow. it doesn't come across very sincere when I, I phrase it like that. Triangle support. <laughs> I love triangle. Um. <laughs> 
and maybe we'll take some time and both of you can kind of talk about what's your relationship with mental health. Okay. Um, Katie, just for those who can't watch, and by those <laughs> I mean everyone, uh, Katie, <laughs> yeah, Katie just gave the old pass it along to Sarah for the first one. So Sarah, what's your relationship with your mental health? And be as honest and sincere as you want. You can tell me okay. that you don't feel it. Yeah, we'll just talk the way we usually talk at rehearsal when the mic's not on. Okay. Let's keep it raw and unfiltered, baby. I think we'll talk less about blowjobs, maybe, but that could come up. All right, well. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, my relationship is that, um, my, my whole life, I have, I feel that I have always sort of marched to the beat of my own drum and um, as a child I really wasn't afraid to be weird or get lost in my imagination and I feel like I really believed in everything that I did even though to outsiders it, it, it was weird. Recently a friend of mine told me like you know in elementary school everyone thought that you were really weird and I just didn't know I didn't realize which now that part of myself I love. I love that part of myself. And I think that that is what makes me, part of what makes me such a good artist, I would, if I may. Um, you may. And you may. Oh, yes, you may. You may, um, you may April and May. That being said, I think in high school, I really started to struggle with my self esteem. And that has been a constant battle since then. Um, and uh, do you remember the moment when self-esteem started to become an issue or like the cause of it yeah um okay i won't name names but i was bullied in high school I and these... for you you know who you are Regina's small <laughs> you know okay. who you are um yeah yeah in high, i think in like the 10th grade maybe i sort of started to like have some self-esteem stuff. Uh, maybe earlier. I don't have to go through my whole history. Here. No, no. But like, so for instance, I asked this because I remember, because I used to always be like, I'm fine, like, I'm yeah. a bigger guy. But I remember there was one moment in grade 12 where it was during a basketball game and uh, I fell on another person mm. when we were like trying to tackle for the ball and I was on top of him. And then he said, oh God. <laughs> And you shouldn't laugh, I guess. Well, yeah, it's funny, yeah. but that has haunted me forever. Yeah. Like, I, f- and I, like, I feel like if I'm, like, if people, like, do a doggy pile, I'll, like, <laughs> I don't know how often that comes up, but I'll sit that one out. <laughs> you don't sit out a doggy <laughs> I'll be on the bottom. I'll let people pile on top of me. I don't want to discount that story, but, you know, dare I suggest that if anybody fell on anybody, wouldn't they say, oh my god. Oh my god. If Sarah fell on me, she raises, she's so small, I'd be like, oh my god. But it was like the fact that he said it in, and again, I won't name names because I don't remember the face of the person. Because <laughs> I, I can't remember. Because I, I blacked it out, except for the words. But he said it in such pain. Oh, okay, I'm yeah. sorry. But it could have also been like, I just fell weirdly on his knee, but I took that as like a Oh, I'm a big boy. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I remember that. Thank you for that story that jogged my... I think my real self-esteem problems started when I was, like, 11 or 12. Because it's really hard to be a girl when you're that age. And, like, oh you kind of are on the cusp of hitting puberty and everything yeah. feels bad and weird. And, and I remember just feeling really bad just uncomfortable living in my own body and I kind of developed an eating disorder when I was like 12 and I would never eat I I was really focused on being very thin and it kind of felt like in high school or in elementary school like the thinnest girl was like had a special hat or something yeah or like the most not the most popular but like I think because I had a big friend group but I was kind of weird as I said like a little eccentric and so I was always like the odd one out a little bit and so I think I felt like if I could be really thin that would be it's part that could be my identity in the friend group is like the thin one yeah so I would like really monitor I was the guy you didn't want on top of you in my friend group there you go yeah yeah (laughs) so 
your our identities to shape us. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would like not eat and but then eventually I just kind of got over it. Probably when I got boobs. Um, I'm still waiting for those to come my way. Yeah. <laughs> They'll change your life, buddy. Yeah. And then in high school, yeah, like I sort of was felt bullied and it really affected my self esteem. And so my whole life, I've really. Um, struggled with my self-esteem and sense of self-worth and my confidence and that in turn has affected my ability to be assertive in my life which is a big problem for me but this year um, I went through a few tough things in the last few years that prompted me to go huh I should go and get some therapy so I went to a therapist this year and she was great um, she does this, like, it's called EMDR or something, which yeah. is, like, a thing with your, with, has to do with sleep cycles and retina uh, movement, eye movement, and it helps you process trauma. So she helped me to process a few traumatic things that have happened to me in my life, and I feel like I'm doing much better now, and um, I have the tools to, like, uh, talk to myself when I feel like I have a low self-esteem or yeah. when I'm saying negative things to myself, usually I am able now to sort of talk myself out of it and I feel much more confident and assertive and the biggest thing for me is I feel much more powerful, which is a really important thing for me to feel powerful, especially because yeah. I'm so small. It's amazing, yeah, and for those who can't see, because this is a podcast, Sarah is the size of a... <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna like, I'm a human woman. I was going to make it seem like you were like, honey, I shrunk my kids. <laughs> Sarah is actually the same size as the microphone. Yeah. She's currently floating in a bowl of Cheerios. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, but yeah, self-talk is like, I feel like a, a hard thing to master, but when you do, it helps. I remember yeah. going to therapy and like, we had the discussion of like, oh, like, do they, like, wanted me to, like, jot down, like, the times I'm speaking negative to myself. And I, like, never did because I was like, this page will be so long. Like, yeah. I can't seriously sit down every time I'm, like, saying, like, oh, your face is weird, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get it. But, but yeah, self-talk is a huge, huge, it powerful huge. tool. And I didn't believe in it for a long time. Like, I was like, this doesn't affect me when I tell myself I'm stupid yeah. or when I say I'm ugly or, like not a good actor but then I stopped doing that and I would tell myself positive things like or I would write it in a book like positive affirmations yeah Yeah. positive affirmations I would write in a book like I am powerful I am beautiful I have a loud voice I I am allowed to take up space in the world it's the same thing with like plants like if you speak nice to plants if you let them listen to Snoop Dogg for a little bit yeah (laughs) feel better they will just actually (laughs) they will grow they will grow Maybe you'll be the size of two Cheerios. <laughs> if I keep listening to Snoop Dogg. Yeah. I also think, okay, after this I'll stop talking and someone else can talk. No, no, it's fine. It's great. I also think that um, uh, I, I learned this amazing thing. I work with kids like Katie and Cam, and I think kids are just great because kids are never afraid mm-hmm. to ask for what they want. Yeah. And my whole life I've been afraid... I don't know about, I think it's this confidence thing. I've been afraid to ask for what I want. And this year, I made the conscious effort to not be afraid to ask for what I want. And it has just really just improved my quality of life. I've really improved this year because of just being braver and asking, being assertive and asking for what you want and also being able to set boundaries. And it's been, I feel good right now. Thanks, mental health. You're doing good right now. Um... (laughs) Kitty, maybe we'll pass the yeah. the old baton to you. Um, what what uh, what's your relationship with your mental health? And again, be as honest and sincere as you want. Well, okay. Um, for the longest time, I thought I didn't have any mental health issues because, first of all, I didn't know enough, and second of all, I've always been very upbeat. Very happy. Like, I've always been probably annoyingly positive. My my whole life, I've just never really seen the downside of things. But like Sarah, 
actually, you know, our stories have a lot of similarity. So when I was young, I was very eccentric, very loud. That hasn't changed. Um, and when I was a kid, I couldn't care less about what people thought of me. I was excited about everything, which I still am. Mm-hmm. I don't want you guys thinking I'm a, I'm a humbug. I, I, mm-hmm. I still think I err to the side of positivity. You Actually, I do. do err to the side of positivity. But anyway, when I was young, I was very excitable, didn't care what people thought, believed in everything, talked to myself like it was my day job, something I still do. And I had a great... I had a great run with childhood, really. And then I... So, while... Okay. Let's backtrack again. June 30th, 1998. I'm just kidding. We don't need to go that far. So, I started playing basketball when I was five. And I played basketball until I was 15. And while I was playing basketball, I was also involved with the Globe Theatre School. So, and other drama activities around our hometown. So... Our hometown. Our hometown. Well, you know, (laughs) this podcast is going to blow up, Cam. Not everyone's going to be from Saskatchewan. That's true. We have have a couple listeners from uh, Switzerland. Are you serious? Yeah. SoundCloud can, like, uh, I gave it away where I put the stuff. (laughs) Actually, it's not giving it away. That's where you're listening to. (laughs) Do you want to give it away so that people can listen to it? Yeah, I do. I don't know why I said that. But, yeah, you can look at, like, the analytics, and I'll tell you where people are from. Is it, like, like, some from Germany? Some from... To give a real Whoa. shout out to Switzerland. I don't know if I, understand, yeah. but... I was what in, up, Switzerland? What's up? I was in Switzerland um, just a couple days ago, actually, and I spent $12 Canadian on a coffee in the airport, so... Nice. nice. Anyway. Good job. Yeah. Anyway, so I was playing basketball and I was doing theater, and I... <laughs> this sounds very heavy, but through playing basketball, I learned that despite my upbeat and cheery attitude... There is a very, very, um, I guess, dark side. <laughs> I sound like There's a very I'm angry an angry person. No, that's true. A very angry person inside of me. And I think, actually, that everybody has that side of themselves. Mm-hmm. Some people call it your shadow side, your dark side, whatever. And uh, for reference, Katie is the height of a telephone pole <laughs> and also the width, which is why she's so good at basketball. <laughs> I actually had a brief appearance in Space Jam. I don't put that on my CV. I don't want to intimidate other people. So anyway, um, as I started to play basketball more, I got more and more serious about it. And in my eyes, theater was the thing I did for fun, and basketball was the thing I did more seriously, you could say. Yeah, I I remember, because I also did like sports growing up, and mm-hmm. then in high school I started doing more improvisation and arts. Mm-hmm. But I remember... When, like, I started dealing with, like, mental health stuff in high school, like, there were some basketball games where, like, that's where I would take out all my frustrations. Yeah. And I was never, like, great at basketball. I was good enough to, like, be a starting person on the team. But I remember some games where I was, like, just so frustrated with myself in life, I would go off with, like, 20-plus points. And I remember one game, it was, like, an important game, and my coach came up to me and he's like, listen, we need you to go back to that dark space. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and you said this to me, and I was just like, all right, right like, let me, let me talk to myself for a little bit. Holy shit. Like, you worthless piece of crap. <laughs> um, but that, it's, it's very true. And in sports, as you get more competitive and you get more serious, um, it's very glorified to, to, to be all business, to be yeah. mean, and to play to win. And when I played basketball... Yeah, I was good, okay? (laughs) I was very good, and I loved that. I loved the physical aspect. I've always been a very, very physical person. Very affectionate. Sarah's laying on me right now, Mm -hmm. actually. And in eighth grade, I got asked to play on a competitive basketball team for the first time. And I won't obviously name any names. But you know who you are. But you know who you are. (laughs) And... Just kidding. I really harbor no bad feelings for anybody. We'll get into that as I talk about my state of mental health now. (laughs) So I got asked to play on this competitive team. And for the first time in my life, I got bullied. And I got um, bullied quite hard and not directly. It wasn't that they were mean to my face. It's that they wouldn't talk to me. And my coach wouldn't talk to me. And for the first time, I wasn't on like the starting lineup. And that was hard on my ego. Um, and 
they would talk about me while I was on the bench beside them, and they would talk about me when we would warm up. Like, I wasn't there. It's horrible. It was really horrible. They were very mean. And they knew better, but anyway. Um, I'm so sorry. And then, just like Sarah, I developed, I wouldn't say an eating disorder, but I had a bit of a tip with binge eating where I would just eat and eat and eat. And even now, I can't really eat lemon squares because one time I ate a whole pan. And I have truly, not even trying to be funny, I've never hated myself more than I did in that moment. And so now... And they were, like, my favorite dessert. I really ruined that for myself. I could eat, like, I could just stuff myself with pizza, but I'd still eat it, I think. Really? I'm the opposite. If I get really stressed, I don't eat. I can't eat. I I I get diarrhea. (laughs) I get the anxiety shits. (laughs) And I just don't eat. Which are, it's a real thing. A very real thing. Our bodies, our body has funny chemical reactions. Mm -hmm. And so then, sorry, my my spiel is taking a long time. No, we got all the time in the world. And then... Until noon. In that time... (laughs) (laughs) We have until noon. In that time, my friends in elementary school, and again, for reference, I went to a very small elementary school. My graduating class was 12 people, and it was all girls. And... A lot of the girls in my class that I thought were my friends stopped being nice to me. So having that happen at basketball, which used to be my happy place, and then school, which was always just neutral ground, Mm -hmm. um, theater became a huge outlet outlet for me, especially at the Globe Theater. And a safe space. And a safe space where I met all my best friends. So now we fast forward. I start high school. And it was off to, like, a great start. High school was great, actually, for me, by no means. You, Do hit, I... you hit your peak. Oh, no. There's more of me coming. The world's hardly seen half of my power. <laughs> um, I would never go back to high school, but I was lucky because I had a great group of friends in high school. Um, great teachers. I loved my school. Um, but I was kind of like an overworked machine in high school. I was playing basketball. I was on SRC, I was in choir, I was in IB, I was, like, e- shutting out all my emotions. Irritable bowel. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like an irritable bowel, truly. And then, um, in 10th grade, my Dita, which is my grandpa, got sick, and he died, and I quit basketball that year, and... Oh, in the time between 8th grade and 10th grade, I got asked to play in another basketball league that was competitive, and it was wonderful. I had a great time. But in 10th grade, I quit playing high school basketball, and then my competitive team got bought out by a a company, which is an insane thing to say about a teenage girl basketball team, but it happened. Listen, we're making you guys coal miners now. (laughs) You're not going to be the Hornets anymore. make a show about this. I will. I'll make it with you. Okay. Maybe we'll include Cam. He could be the Maybe leader becoming the boss out. Space. <laughs> Can't go to the dark space. Um, and so then, I didn't have basketball as a physical outlet, which, keep in mind, this was how I processed all my emotions. Oh, I also think it's important to note, I, oh shit, I'm telling my story out of order. I should have written it down. I didn't cry when I was a kid. I didn't, Whoa. I didn't cry. <laughs> because I cried someone said to me once, only weak people cry, which was oh, the most horrible shit. thing anyone has ever said to me. But it really, it really um, planted deep, deep in my body that if I cried, I was weak. So I never cried. And I think you're weak if you're not benching 150. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you're crying while doing it, you're strong, baby. That's when you know you were doing it right. Yeah. Um. So. Not having basketball, all of a sudden at age 15, kind of a pivotal age in terms of puberty and personal development. Um, Did you get boobs then? (laughs) You know, yeah, like, probably. I think it took a while. I was like, I don't want to say a late bloomer, but, like, I got my period in elementary school, but... Ugh, so did I. My body hit... I haven't got mine yet, so I'm waiting. (laughs) You'll never be a woman like us. It's like you're part of a secret club. It's true. It's true. Um, So, I quit basketball. (laughs) And then, <laughs> like you've said that six times, and we keep cutting you off. Yes. It's true. If I was someone listening to this podcast, I'd be like, "Let her talk." Yeah, I bet people are frustrated. This is when I would fast forward my podcast. So you quit basketball. I quit basketball, Sarah. 
I you quit, quit basketball. basketball. And from 10th grade to 12th grade, I noticed that I would get, like, nervous a lot. And I was like, it's just because I care so much. I just, I care about what I'm doing. I, this all matters so much to me. And then 2016 hit. And I remember this year so vividly because I think truly, astrologically, universally, collectively, subconsciously, 2016 was a bad year. I remember I it was a really bad year for like everybody I'm, <laughs> I know. And in that year, long story short, we won't drone on about it, but my Bubba, who is my grandma, died and we had a relationship like she was like my mom, so yeah. that was quite tough. And then my mom got really sick and she almost died. She was actually like the week of my grad, the doctors thought was like going to be her last week. And then my childhood dog died. So I had a lot of, like, it was a really tough year. Um, and then I started university and I was so unhappy. I was so, so deeply unhappy. I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to go home because I was, again, this is a bit of a complex situation, but I was like mad at my mom and I was, I just felt so upset for the first time. And then my dad, who is the, one of the greatest people, he, um, he's always been a very holistic man, a very all-natural man. Astrology's quite trendy right now, but that's been lifeblood in my house, baby. That's a big thing for us. Um, and my dad really got me on about reading some self-help books, which previously I was like, that's bullshit. I would not do that. And I would say my relationship with mental health, to conclude, to conclude this <laughs> long-ass story, it's all good. um, I started to just like Sarah, realized that I couldn't keep talking to myself. Like, I hated myself. Yeah. Because, really, the only person that's going to have my back is me. The only person that's going to get me to do anything is me. No one yeah. ma makes me get up for work. No one makes me get up when I know I have a hard thing to do in the day but me. So I knew that I needed to rebuild that relationship with myself that I lost um, through that hard year. And also... Oh, shit. Wait, one more important thing happened to me. So good. In the end of my 12th grade year, I won't be naming names because I really don't harbor any feelings about this. I mean, it was a horrible way for these people to act, and I I don't know how they could have justified it, but I don't... I would like to think they've all changed. Um, I got bullied really, really bad the last month of high school by this group of girls. They would post things about me online, and they were they were just very mean to me, not to get into the nitty-gritty of it. And of course, everyone's fighting a battle you don't know about, so that was when my mom was really sick. Mm -hmm. And my bubba was getting sick. So there was a lot going on for me, and that, that was the moment um, that I think my relationship with mental health started. So... In university, my first year, that's when I realized I needed to take charge and I needed to really learn about those dark parts of me and how I was going to deal with them. So I have never ever been diagnosed with mental illness, um, but I think that even if you haven't been, you still have a relationship with mental health. Yeah, I think everyone does. Exactly, exactly. And see, previously I thought you didn't. I thought that if you didn't have, you know, depression, you didn't... Yeah. You know, that's a good point, actually, because I... That's yeah, how people teach you about it. I never... Yeah, I never thought about my mental health ever, really, until this year. Because I, yeah, I was like, I don't... I'm not depressed. Yeah. I think even if you, like, don't experience... I wanted to have, like, a good friend on the podcast, and he was like, I don't, like... I don't identify with, like, struggling with mental health. I'm like, well, like, you still... Like, if you know someone who does, you still have a relationship with mental health, right? You totally. still... Exactly. And I... thing. For, for a long time, I thought I didn't. Yeah. So, for the third time, to conclude <laughs> this story, um, I just started really taking care of myself and not, and not caring what people would think if I had to say no to plans to take yes. care of myself. Not caring what people would think because previously in high school, I would just pour from an empty cup all the time. Mm -hmm. I would say yes, I'd go out. I was so social. 
And in the last couple of years, I don't want to say I've become a recluse, but I think I've become a recluse because I almost never go out. I have a very small group of close friends that I love and I trust and I see them and I see my boyfriend and I, I just have no, I don't know, in getting to know myself better, I have no interest in spending time with people that don't make me better and I have no interest in, um, you know, bullshit small talk that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't make me feel any better about anything. Mm -hmm. So anyway, my relationship with mental health is that it, it, how would I, I don't know. I think you've already concluded. Yeah, Yeah. dare I say, just I've done it three times. I think you're good. Um, Give me a mic and I'll never stop talking, baby. Baby. Uh, we'll move on to maybe our first segment. <laughs> but we'll make it short. We have a couple, just two segments that we like oh, to do. Shit. One I'm is, so uh, the first one that we do is called What's the Worry? Um, and here we just discuss what's the thing right now that's sitting inside you that you're worried about. Oh, Jesus that's, Christ. That's not sitting well. And just and for the sake of this one, let's just pinpoint it to one thing. I have an answer. Go ahead. Um, I have a fear that, because I'm going back to school this fall, took a year off, um, I have a fear that by pursuing my dreams and majoring in theater, I will accomplish nothing. That is the worry that's on my mind. Except I know that I won't because I'm good and I have good friends, but it's definitely hard to not worry about it when everyone else you know is selling their soul and uh, studying business. So, no offense to all the Hill Honeys out there. Bill Brown McEwen, I love you, but that's just true. Yeah. Um, let's say right now that we're taking down Hill Business. <laughs> <laughs> I have, wait, no guys, I really have nothing wrong. Like, I almost changed my major to marketing because I really am interested in it, but... Yeah, there's some points where I'm like, I know some... I'll be in a classroom, I'm like, why didn't I go into business? Like, I know. It's such a, like, lucrative thing, but I'm also like... I wish you could minor in it. You can't minor in it. I really wish you could. I know. I Because I really wanted to minor in marketing, but I can't. There's anyway. some people who are, like, very happy with the work that they're doing in business. Yeah. But, like, I fully support, like, do the thing that you love. If you love, yeah. like, crunching. I, there's a guy in my high school who loved crunching numbers. He loves accounting. He's doing that. He's making good money and, like, yeah. good for you. And I have one more thing to say about this, and then I'll pass the mic off to Sarah. Well, the mic's on the table, but we can say, Sarah, your turn's next. I'll, I'll pass this mic, yeah. Um, I one time had a former friend say to me that he would, the only way he thinks he would ever be happy is if he pursued music. And I'm pretty sure he works in finance. And I haven't talked to him in a long time, but I don't know if he, like, that really, res- like, I've, I always think about that whenever I think about changing my major to something other than theater, because I know that I just won't be happy if I... Yeah. If I settle for the quote-unquote um, normal choice. Yeah. Mm, so that's my worry. That's my worry about setting what a future will look like as an independent artist where you work contract to contract. And for someone that loves routine, that that's a bit of a worry point for me. Yeah. So, As somebody who is a, <clears throat> an actor who works contract to contract, it's okay. You can establish a routine within... The uncertainty of uh, contract work. You definitely can. And you can also, I want to iterate this because I know it's a worry of yours. You can also develop and maintain a meaningful relationship with a partner and also do contract work. You're like a cowboy. You're like a traveling cowboy with a devoted lover. That's what my dentist told me. Like how, <laughs> like with me and Connor? By the way, you have yeah. two cavities. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like uh, I remember you touched... For, the, for the podcast yeah, listeners that don't know, I didn't think this was going to come up. Uh, sorry. It's okay. I don't care. Uh, my boyfriend and I have been together for years, and which I didn't expect. I, I'm surprised it didn't come up sooner. Shut up, Kim. You're always talking about this. You're all... My boyfriend. There's boyfriend. nothing wrong with no, talking just... about someone that you love. Yeah. I'm just being a funny guy. Oh. <laughs> You know me. Yeah, I'm this funny guy. Um, Comedy icon. And something I think about is how um, an atypical work career might mesh with his very typical work career. He's a he's a real brainiac, that cutie. He's um gonna be a physiotherapist anyway. Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah, he's gonna open his own practice. Here's my thought: if you have your if your life partner is like has a steady nine to five, 
you'd have to worry less because they probably make way more money than you do, so you probably have a stable house. And also, if you want to have a baby, you can just not take a contract and, like, for a bit, if and and yeah. be on your mat, although you, like, won't make money, but you'll, like, be on your mat leave. Mm-hmm. And but you can also work on work on your mat leave, right? Yeah. Totally. Or if you're doing a show, your husband can take, or partner, whoever they are, can, uh, like... Look after your, the kids when you're doing your shows. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. Anyway. What's worrying you? <laughs> um, yeah, that was unsolicited advice. Sorry. but Unsolicited okay. <laughs> Um. Okay. I think as a person, I worry a lot, which I'm trying to control and yeah. work on. Uh, that's part of my mental health journey. Um, right now, we're in opening of the two shows I'm doing right now with Shakespeare, so I'm a little worried. I was really worried for the show last night. She did amazing. Thanks. Knocked out of the park as Phoebe. And I also, I think, a big part of being a young artist is, like, you worry a lot what other people will think of your performance yeah. and your work that you've yeah. done. And But I try really hard not to think about that because um, it's not really valuable to have that worry you I think it makes you do less good work sometimes that's with anything though right like if you are in business totally and you have to hand in a report you're going to get nervous right but I think with acting it's a constant nervous because you're it's always a show with new people coming to watch I would also argue that um there's a certain level of vulnerability that is expected of you as an artist that's maybe more vulnerable than submitting a business report. But yep. what do I know? I've never submitted Sarah, a... Sarah and I were driving around yesterday going to Thrive Juice Co. We were. To get, a, to get a fresh juice. And Sarah pointed out that... And again, I can't say unlike any career, because this is the only career I've ever pursued. Mm-hmm. But being an actor requires you to show up to work in the morning for rehearsal and be the most vulnerable version of yourself. Yeah. And open yourself up to... Scrutiny to scrutiny and Criticism. some ridicule, yeah. ridicule, and that can be hard on your confidence as an yeah. actor. Because I know another one of those moments that was detrimental to me was mm-hmm. I was in a show in university, and I was very excited. I got cast as the title role, and I thought it was going to be a great experience. And it ended up being—I don't want to misuse the word, but almost like traumatic. It. Yeah. I had a very mean director, and it really affected my confidence. And it's the reason I took some time off school. I just felt like I couldn't. Well, it's not the only reason, but it's it. I felt like I just needed time to reevaluate if this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. But it is. The year off proved everything right. Nice. Anyway, Sarah, keep talking about what you're worried about. Um. Yeah, I'm worried a bit about the shows. About I hope I do well, and um, my grandpa is sick right now a little mm. bit. He's got having some heart trouble, so I worry. I'm a little worried about him. Um, I worry, I, I worry a lot, I guess. I, I worry, if I get overtired, I, that's my, that's how I know I'm overtired, is sometimes my biggest, probably irrational worry, is I worry a lot that I'm ill. I worry that I have cancer that I don't know about, or something. Like, yeah. something Mine's ridiculous. Mine's tumors. Yeah, I worry a lot Anytime about, Anytime I like, get a headache, I'm like, this is it. Mine's yeah. impotence. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm scared that, like... I, like, when I'm ready to have a child, that the doctor's going to be like, it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's not looking good. good for you. And that's how they'll say it. Even if they're like, uh, Mr. Chowman, it's not looking good. Yeah. Your stuff's not strong. <laughs> um, yeah. What about worrying you, Cam? Yeah. The thing that's worrying me? Um, I think the Fringe, this, uh, the show, um, I've been trying to, like, collect my thoughts about it. Um, because it is a very vulnerable show, and I think, again, like, I've grown up, and a lot of people in the city know me as, like, the funny improviser, yeah. or, like, the, like, you so funny, blah, <laughs> um, that this is a very, like, not only is it a, uh, piece that is supposed to be funny, um, but it, it is, it is, it's like, it's hilarious, it's a very funny play, uh, but also it's very vulnerable, and there's moments mm. within it that, like, it gets very vulnerable, I think I'm just, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of nerves. Like, my family seeing it. Um, like, I could care less about strangers. Um, 
But like my family seeing it, my friends seeing it. The people it. that the writing could affect. Yeah. Well, it'll affect everybody in different ways, but the people that know you personally. Yeah. Totally. It's a, I think like so it's in it's going to affect those that I don't open up enough uh, with my mental health about. Like I know with my family, like they know I struggle and my family will do very funny things where like when I used to live at home, like my mom would be like come downstairs and she'd be like should, uh, or, like, they bought me, like, a sad lamp to put in the basement. Like, the one that mimics sunlight. Sad and, like, that's what it's called. You oh, see yeah, those yeah. things? No. Um, they, yeah, like, mimic sunlight. And they're supposed to give you, like, the vitamin D. Yeah, season affective yeah. disorder. That um, is amazing. I and my mom would come on downstairs and she'd be like, turn your lamp on. Like, just, like, <laughs> simple things like that. Um, or they'll, like, ask, like, oh, you step outside today? Like, they, That's nice. Yeah, okay. but like it's never a very serious thing we talk about, or mm. I don't open up about them with that. <clears throat> Let's get this straight. It doesn't say anything about the person you're scared to talk to, unless it does. It doesn't say anything about that person. It's about how they'll... You're you're scared they're going to see you differently. Yeah. And That's then, the it, fear. It's not that you're scared of the person. It's not that you don't want to talk to them. It's that what if you... Then it's irrational, but what if you see me differently what if you love me less what if yeah. you think yeah. less of me and like there's a part in the play where like i say like um like do you scare people away like that's a real thing like i'm scared that like when i open up more about like the thoughts i have in my head and the feelings i have that i'm going to scare people away that mm-hmm. not in the sense of like they just get tired of trying to help you know mm-hmm. which is also a big thing um so all this is worrisome yeah. Um, I'm not so nervous to like mostly with my f- people who haven't seen the script yet not so much about the performance yeah. but about the the words behind it um, but also at the same time there's a weird excitement for it but that's the thing that's I'm battling with nice segment two that's a great place to be yeah. and when you're gonna do a show it's pretty nervous uh, segment two we had what's a worry now we have what's working and this is the part where we oh, talk baby. about the thing that's working. So again, we'll choose one thing that's really working for us this week um, or this month, and we'll just share it with the uh, the viewers at home. One thing that works for me today, this week, last week, next week, Forever. and my whole life is meditation. Yeah. That truly has changed my life. I started meditating my first year of university now. Technically, I'm going into my fourth, but realistically, who knows? Yeah. Um, it It's scientifically proven. It can change... I mean, you know, I'm not a doctor. Your brain waves or some shit like that. But it, it changes... It can You can rewire your brain through meditation. And it is the most useful tool I think anybody can incorporate into their lives. And for all the listeners out there, you'd best meditate after this podcast. Yeah. Download an app. It takes like two minutes... And then eventually, if you want to get spicy and work on it, you can do it for like a half an hour when you're ready. So, meditation. And also, saying no and not feeling bad about it. That always works for me. I have no issue with telling people no if I don't want to go out. Yeah. Like, saying no and meditation changed my life. You heard it here first, folks. Um, <clears throat> Sarah, what's working for you? Um, I think that, yeah, meditation also for me i also love i love working out oh sarah and i love working out so um they they are not including me because they can see me cam Cam, you're a beautiful specimen i look how small i am look how small i am the viewers aren't seeing this but i look like that girl in willy wonka that ate that blueberry (laughs) and is now turned into a human blueberry Cam is the size. Cam's the most delicious average I've ever kind human being. <laughs> average kind human being. But Working also out is look a big at thing. me. Like I'm really small. People look at me and they don't go, "Oh, that girl works out." But I work out all the time. And it's good. It's good for you. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said before, a big thing for me is feeling powerful and how much I value um, feeling like I'm strong and brave and powerful and independent and working out and helps me feel strong. And I also like love my body. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Helps me to feel good about my body, the way it looks and the things it can do for me. And, um, I journal often if I'm feeling anxious or I'll write like 
affirmative statements, like things I believe about myself or things I want to happen. Yes. I like to manifest a lot. Yeah. And um, I also have been trying really hard to get a good sleep. That's I, I struggled really hard with insomnia over this, this year also. Um, so that was a weird new challenge that I had never experienced before. So, yeah, trying to get a good sleep and, like, just be more, just be more mindful of the way that I speak to myself and also the, the setting boundaries and asking myself if I really do want to do something and also yeah. not being afraid to ask for help when I need help or advice when I need advice mm-hmm. or ask for what I want when I need to. Yeah. It's not a hell yeah. yes, it's a hell no. That's how I feel. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Stone maybe. Cold. I also feel like... If I may speak for Sarah and I, Sarah, may yes, I? Of I course, may. always. I think that Sarah and I would both, and Cam, I'm not sure, if you agree, I don't know. Just can, say it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, I think Sarah and I would both say that doing little things like working out regularly, meditating, eating well, juicing, are not oh, going to fix your depression. Juice. They're not going to take away your anxiety, but doing those little things make each day, for me, more enjoyable more livable, and I know lots of people that I've known when I, because I'm very strict with myself about doing things that make me feel good, some people are always like, that's crazy, you you don't need to go to the gym today, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do this, but I find that setting boundaries even about doing things that matter to me mm-hmm. is a big thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... Like, holistic wellness, I think, for me, is yeah. a big thing. I agree, yeah. yeah, and I think, too, that... Um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. It, by no means we don't think that it'll cure no. anything. But it helps me to manage when I'm feeling sad or anxious. Yeah. It helps you. It increases my quality of life. And also... Um, and it moves the energy in your body. It, it, yeah. it truly does. Energy becomes stagnant in all places. So yeah. to be able to move yourself around <laughs> or meditate and settle the energy, it's a big thing. Yeah. I also think, like, even if something is not hard for someone else, like, I... Uh, get really nervous about just going to the doctor, even for a checkup, because yeah. I worry that they're going to be like, something deeply wrong. With, yeah, your yeah. impotence, or you have breast cancer, or you have AIDS. Yeah, yeah, irrational. Um, like if you if you have to do something hard, reward yourself after. Last time I went to the doctor, I like rewarded myself after I bought myself. Like, she probably bought skincare. Yeah, I think I did. I bought myself like a face mask and took a bubble bath when I got home and like. Did you deserve mask. it. You deserve it. You yeah, deserve like reward yourself yeah. when you do something that requires bravery. Yeah. Okay, it's working for uh, you. It's working for you. Sorry, if you let us talk, we will just talk. Oh, so okay. I'm gonna pass it over to Cam. God knows. Oh, God knows. God we knows. can talk. Um. Actually, I'm not sorry. No, don't be. Yeah. Um Don't apologize. It's true. Uh, I didn't apologize. I don't mind taking up space. <laughs> uh, the thing <laughs> that's working for me. Um, I would say, uh, just podcasts. I'm trying to, um, I think I spent a lot of this time, like, this year, when I'm trying to find quiet time, like, I'm either watching Netflix or playing video games, mm-hmm. I need to try to take a step back from that, so I've been trying to just listen to more podcasts, and uh, I found a good one that I've just been into called Crime Junkie. It's great. Um, it's great. Uh, and another thing is, I picked up, uh, I bought a guitar, like, <laughs> five years ago. Um, or I like got it as a birthday gift and I was like, I'm going to teach myself guitar. And then it's just been sitting, but like now that I have a summer of like nothing, I'm like, I'm going to spend half an hour a day just like trying something. And the thing right That's now great, is like, I'm trying man. to learn finger picking. Nice. So I'm like, I like spend half an hour a day to sit and like, it's nice just to, and then like my dog will do a nice thing where she'll like lay down beside on the carpet I'm like, it's working. I'm soothing her. <laughs> but she's probably just tired. Um, but yeah, that's what's working for me. That's yes. great, Cam. You kept that really short and concise. I wish I could do that. Too. I'm going to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> I know the words I want to say, and I say them, and I put them down, and I say bye-bye. <laughs> See, I've already thought to myself, I should have told my story differently. Like, ugh. But well, that's with the, So with the last podcast, when I recorded with uh, my friend Brian, after the podcast was done, Brian was like, oh, can we record it again? Like, I'm just like, I don't know if I like, and that's the thing of like, people are so scared of talking about their mental health because they want to get it right. But it's like, the battle is just talking about it. 
You're right. Right? And not being scared of it. And, like, people... And uh, people are still nervous. I've reached out to people to, like, do this podcast. And, like, people are nervous to do it. Um, because they're like, I'm scared of talking about certain things. But it's like, well, one, like, if you want to do this podcast, let's just sit down and talk. The mic is going to be on. When the mic's off, you can tell me, listen, I don't want that to go on. And I'll be like, yeah, we don't have to put it on. Yeah. I'm not recording another episode with you, though. <laughs> <laughs> um... I had no hesitations about being on the podcast. A place to talk. I was a little nervous. Give me yeah. I have trouble being vulnerable sometimes. Everyone does. Yeah. I don't <laughs> Yeah. I can be vulnerable with myself, but I don't... Yeah, it's tough to put that out in the world. Yeah. yeah. But I'm working on that. She's got to take up space. Mostly I'm yeah. scared of what the people in Germany are going to think of me. <laughs> the Swedes. <laughs> The Swedes. Um, but that brings us to the end of this uh, glorious podcast, this wonderful one, the longest episode to date. Well, they ha- there are three people. There are three, there are three and I'm saying it's a good thing. You're going to have to bring us back yeah. for a part two. I think the people are going to demand it. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see uh, where the message streams are coming from. <laughs> so far, I've got no messages. So. People are just listening, and I think they're liking. Um, They'll be like, those two hoes sound hot. Jeez. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, I will just do a couple plugs. One is uh, if you find yourself in Saskatoon, go check out Shakespeare on the Sask. Uh, not only uh, is it two very well produced and funny uh, shows, and it's Shakespearean, but also just like the venue itself. It's just beautiful. an experience, right? It's beautiful. Um, the other thing is uh, this episode will probably be out tomorrow, and uh, I'm going to uh, say come check out my good buddy Depression at the Regina Fringe. Go check out a lot of shows at the Fringe and any yeah, Fringe where ones. you're listening to. Um, in Regina, another good friend, David Carnegie, is doing a show called Carnegie Chocolate Milk, and it's going to be very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other shows, so Slow Dancing with Mediocre Boys, coming from Toronto, I've heard good things about. Oh, I, I can't wait to see yeah. it. So go check out local theater. Um, continue working on yourself. Um, be the best person you are, no matter the state that you're in. Sometimes the best, most interesting theater is indie theater. Yeah, stop going to Marvel movies, you idiots. (laughs) Yeah. Support local artists. (laughs) Those local artists turn into the Robert Downey Juniors. Buy your your veggies at the farmer's market. Support your local artists. Get eight hours of sleep. Hit Ram Cycle. Drink a green juice. All I need to become Robert Downey Jr. is a drug addiction. And then I'm there. Halfway there, baby. And a broken relationship <laughs> with your father. Um, I'm pointing at the wall. I'm saying that this is the moment of the podcast where I'm going to start cueing in the ex- the uh, the exit music, uh, and then we're going to talk over top it. I'm just going to say thank you both for doing this. Thank you, thank you, Cameron, no. Cameron Terrence Chalman. Don't thank, thank me. Thank, thank, uh, thank the things. Thank, thank anyone else. Don't thank me. <laughs> you know what I could do as you put up the oh, fade out music. I could ASMR the mic. Uh, Do any listeners out there listen to ASMR? Uh, I've made it clear in my podcast. That stuff makes me like, like, you know, like deeply cringe in my soul. I have, like, if other people want to listen to it, that's fine, but I can't handle it. Those, and some of them get freaky, hey? Yeah. I'm not here to kink shame, but. Hey, the only thing I do is kink shame. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Cam's risen to fame. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll see you soon.